This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Open up your Bibles to the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 4. We spent some time, I'll say, reintroducing and going over the first portion of this message we're talking about finishing our course and we're taking this from 2nd Timothy chapter 4 starting at verse number 6 this is Paul writing to Timothy he says for I am now ready to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand I have fought a good fight I have finished my course I have kept the faith Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love is appearing. So church, the question is, do you love his appearing? And if you do, we're called to be finishers. Our pastor has already put it out there. Our pastor wants to pastor a congregation of finishers. And it's in the scriptures. Paul points us to this before there was ever a church of living water. He says, if you're going to love his appearing, you need to be a finisher. So we ought to be able in that day to say, even as Paul said, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I kept the faith. And so we're concentrating on, and we're we're jumping off and catapulting catapulting from where Paul says this in 2 Timothy chapter 4. And we want to find out what it takes to finish. Now in order, well, first of all, here's what we mean by finishing. Again, I want to emphasize this. A lot of us are happy with a passing grade. At least I made it out. (laughs) You know, that's not what Paul is talking about. He says, I gave it my all. And I did it in an excellent Christ-like manner. And I I want to make mention of this. You're able to do this in an excellent Christ-like manner. Why? Because God knows you, and He didn't leave it to your own power. <laughs> he provides the fuel. He provides the energy. He provides everything you need so that you are well able. I heard it said this morning, uh, the fault is never on God's side. It's on our side. So you can be a finisher. You can't, uh, we said it this way, He completed His task in an excellent Christ-like manner. So that's what we're supposed to do. So if we're going to finish, we're going to, we're going to execute this in an excellent Christ-like manner. But in order to finish, we said you have to have something to do. Amen? You have to have something to do. And not only that, once you have something to do, you've got to get started. And after you get started, then you've got to maintain, you've got to keep going. And then you've got to be able to, as Paul said, then you've got to be able to say, when it's all said and done, you know, I finished my course. You know, I fought a good fight. I kept the faith. See, that's when you finish. That's when you close it out. And see, he's telling Timothy this because he knows I'm going on to my reward, but God's work still goes on. And so I've done everything, and i put you in a position now where you can carry on. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. This is what we want. We want a track record of excellence that those who come behind us have no excuse. 
We want to be those finishers. So in order to finish, you have to have something to do. You've got to get started. You've got to maintain it. You've got to close it out with excellence. Have it in good shape to carry on without you. Ooh. You know, I think about our founding pastor. And I think about his heart and how he revealed his heart is that he could not have this thing go down with him. That once his life was up, because I want you to understand, all of us have a limited life in this flesh, in this body. We want to always go on, but I'm always just moved because I'm confident in this. There are people who pray for you before you even showed up on the scene, who knew they wouldn't be around to see you in this particular position, in this particular place. But they had God's purpose in mind, and they were bound to be finishers. Amen. You know, finishing for God doesn't take the goods of this world. Let me keep moving forward. Maybe we'll get to that within today's teaching. I've got to move forward. And so, if we're going to finish, we're going to have to have something to do. We've got to uh, get started doing it. We've got to maintain it. And then we've got to close it out. Have it in shape to continue on without us. Now, we said, now, what, it is it, what is it that we're talking about doing? We're talking about my course. And so what is my course? My course is a task given me by God. My course is, in God's mind, the thing that must be done. My course is God's will concerning my life. My course is the ministry of God that I'm called to work. My course is my God-designated path. It's the one God designates for me. Again, I mean to go quickly through this, but so many times Mama and Papa say, you, you should do this, and you should do that. You're going to be, and then you've got other church members say, you know what, you're going to be this, and it means nothing about their designated path for you. You want to find God's designated path for you. And my course, we said, includes your purpose. Can I say that this way? Your course goes beyond your purpose, but if you're not on purpose, you won't be on course. And I want to remind you, what is your purpose? To be conformed into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. To walk in His character. To walk in His likeness. Others should be able to see Jesus through you. Amen. So we said that your course is a critical part of God's divine plan. And so you have to have God's mind as it pertains to your course. Because there will be many things that will be presented before you that you can put your hands to, but you have got to make it up in your mind, I'm going to have the mind of God, and I'm going to make sure that I concentrate on the thing that must be done. And always remember this. That when you're not on course, what you're doing is you're asking somebody else to, pull, to take on more. Because you're off purpose. Because you're not where you're supposed to be. And again, I start to get irritated with this. And I've got to calm down. And you, and you want to criticize those who you put all the work on their shoulders. And then put a microscope up to them. and Look for every blemish. And then talk about their blemishes. When they're holding up your end of the bargain for you. Let me move forward. I don't, I don't want to stop there. That thing is not right to do. 
And I always remember this. You finishing your course doesn't mean God is done. Does not mean God is done. You're not all that. Your course, remember, is God's ministry. And it's critical to His divine plan. And don't get it twisted. If you won't be faithful, He'll find somebody who will be. So His plan is bigger than you. We've got to humble ourselves. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. You, you know, i got to keep moving forward, but I want to say this. Don't... Here's what we do in our jobs. They bring in somebody new, and, and those people full of fear say, they're going to replace me. <laughs> so they start being guarded and holding particular information back from them, not showing them everything they could show them. You know, you know, believers don't do that, right? Definitely we don't do it in the church. We should be raising up others to take our place. We should be pouring into others to be able to do what we have done and even do it more excellently than we've done. We're talking about being finishers of my course, which is not your ministry, it's God's. It, it, it reminds me just keep moving forward it reminds me when Moses cried out to God and said you want me to take care of all these people and then God said you know what what I will do is I'll separate some men you separate some men and here's what's going to happen I'm going to pour some honor upon them you know and, and, and here it is you know Moses' servant is like hey what's going on here and Moses is like well, you've been jealous on my sake this is not my ministry God's ministry. Don't be jealous for me. I'm alright if the Spirit of God is moving to other people. And not just me alone. So in order to finish your course, you have to have something to do. And I want to remind you that this is in God's sovereignty. Papa can't call you. Papa. Daddy. Mama. Mom. Whoever. They can't call you. Grandmama can't call you. It's got to be God. I'll say this. Pastor can't call you. God has it in His sovereignty what He's called you to do. And so you might want to and you could do it. You could ask, Pastor, what does God call me to do? And I want to see if the pastor going to be like, am I in God's place? <laughs> that I know his divine plan in details like that. And I'll be honest with you as well. There's some things that the pastor might want to say, but because they love you, they won't. Because maybe this is not you, maybe this is somebody else. But if you were to do that to the pastor, you can't make service on a regular basis. That's what's going through their mind. You can't make service on a regular basis, but you think God has something for you to do. If God is telling you to do anything, He's probably telling you to be faithful in the little things. Oh, God forbid you be one who makes live streams on occasion. But God has called me. What did God call me to do? Again, the pastors won't necessarily say that. Sometimes, you know, the Spirit of God will move on and tell you, you ain't faithful. God ain't called you to do anything yet except to be faithful. Learn how to be faithful first. We'll get to it. But be faithful where you are and what you have to do. Be faithful there. And then maybe, 
God will see you and count you as faithful, and then he can trust you with a critical part of his divine plan. And remember, everybody has their own course. Everybody has their own course. And every course comes under that one single plan God has, and that's to redeem man. Oh, I'm so glad God is so focused on redeeming us. We wouldn't be here in this place glorifying God for his marvelous salvation if he wasn't so one-track-minded for our being redeemed. And so everybody has their own course. And so even when we step up and say, what, have God, what has God called me to do? Don't, don't, don't look at what somebody else is doing. Oh, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. So that's in God's sovereignty, your course. But first, you've got to be faithful. Otherwise, he's not going to put you on his course. And so, after you have something to do, then it's time to get started. But before you can get started, you've got to be prepared. God has been ministering to us about being prepared. There's prep work. There's stuff that has to be done beforehand. There are things in you that need to be prepared before you can get started. We said part of that preparation is to settle the issues. Settle the issues. Now, again, let me, let me back up a little bit before this. So here it is. You say, I don't know my course. Well, the thing about preparation is you don't need to know your course before you start to be prepared. Because remember, again, it includes your purpose. And so preparation is going to be on the purpose side. And so that's why you have to settle the issues. This is where we say we're, we're, we're going to lay aside the weights. And remember what weights are. Weights are those things, anything, uh, any attitude, any, any thought process, any... Uh, uh, any relationship, I'm not going to say this again. Yeah, I will. Understand, just like we've been ministering on family life class, you've got a spouse who's not born again, that's not a weight, that's your responsibility. Child of the wayward, that's not a weight, that's your responsibility. But outside of that, you're pining for people, wanting people to, to uh, love you or like you or whatever. All those things are unnecessary and they stand in the way of you going forward with God. They take your energy, they take your time, they, talk your, they take your thought process. Settle the issues. Put aside those things. Getting rid of the weights is a must. And also, as it pertains to settling the issues, one of the things we have to understand is that the way things are may be the way things always will be. How long will you mourn? How long will you wait? Can I, can I say it this way? Maybe your spouse will never be born again. How long will you mourn? Maybe, it's, maybe your spouse will never meet your perfect imagination of what a spouse should be. How long? And maybe your child will always refuse to listen to you. How long? I like how God dealt with sin. How long are you going to mourn over his, Come on, I, I'm moving on from him. I've got more work for you to do. See, lives are depending upon it. We also said that you need to make it up in your minds that there's some things you can live without. Some things you can do without. You don't have to have it. And if you never get it, you'd be all right. See, that's what we call divesting. I'm, not, I'm no longer investing in this thing, thinking that I can't get it right if I don't have this thing. If it doesn't line up in my life, I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, I'm not going to let allow it to have power over me any longer. Just let it go. Some of us have been chasing after people for the longest. Let them go. Let them go. Move on. 
we saw that Paul cleared the way. We saw that he identified the ways. We saw that he counted all loss for the excellency of the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, being an example for us. And then we said, after you've settled the issues, after you've cleared the way, after you got rid of that extra baggage, now what? Here it is. You know, you got a car that's knocking because you've been using cheap gas. And so you've been going back to that cheap gas station over and over again. Yeah, you save some money, but in the long run, it's doing some mighty big damage that you don't want to pay for. And so finally, someone comes and informs you, you've got to stop the bad gas. And so you've got to get rid of all that bad gas. So now that you've gotten rid of all that bad gas, now the tank is empty. Now what? Now you need to fill it up with some good gas. Now it's time to take aim. Now it's time to set my affections on things above and not on things beneath. Now it's time for me to fall in love with the Lord Jesus Christ. So he replaces those prior loves that I had that had my engine knocking. We're going to make him the light of our life. See, we take off the old man, we put on the new man. We've got stuff to do, trust me. This is where we become those who know who it is that we believe in. And then we said, after, after you clear the way, now, now, now you set your focus, now, you, now, now uh, your focus is on him and him alone, now it's time to get instructions. And remember, without instructions, the best you can be is a poor knockoff. <laughs> That's the best you can be. Knockoffs don't last. Knockoffs are easily tattered and torn. And that's what we are when we move without instructions. And again, I want to remind you, you know, zeal is a good thing, but you need knowledge. Knowledge with the zeal is critical. And so we tell you this. You need to wait for guidance from those God has appointed as your instructors. He's placed them in your life for that purpose. Receive their instructions. Now, you're in 2 Timothy. Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 1. So now we're finished talking about the prep work. Now it's time to talk about getting started. You have to have something to do. That's in God's sovereignty. You have to get started. But there's prep work. We talked about the prep work. Now it's time to get started. 1 Timothy chapter 1. Here it is. You cannot get started if you do not move. Verse number 3. As I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus when I went into Macedonia that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies which minister questions rather than godly edifying which is in faith so do very simple Paul tells Timothy I gave you something to do do it <laughs> amen very simple 
I like it. You know, God doesn't put something way out there that's unreachable for us. He puts it right there plain before us. I gave you something to do. Do it. Move. Also known as perform. That's what it takes to get started. Move. Perform. What do I do? Do what you've been instructed to do. I know, I know, it's so profound. Makes you want to run around the church. If we could all be together. Wait, wait till July 11. Maybe you can run around then. But this is why we had all the prep work. Now, now, now you, you're on purpose. Now your focus is on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now you've set and, and, and you recognize the instructions that God has given you. And they've given you instructions. What do I do now? You see, a, a lot of us sit here and take notes. And we can go back and we can, we can quote some of the things that were said. But have you moved? Have you moved? Uh, what do you mean move? Have you done what you've been instructed to do? See, we talk about all this preparation, and we've been spending all this time on preparation. Have you actually done it? Have you made any movement toward preparation? Look at this in Luke chapter 17. Do what you've been instructed to do, not something else. Amen. Not something else. Luke chapter 17. A lot of people like to be busy. But we often wonder, who told you to do that? And why are you so busy doing those things and haven't done the things that we instructed here in this ministry? Luke chapter 17. Verse number 11. And it came to pass, as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. See, this is social distancing before COVID. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed? But were there not? Then I found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. Now, that's a mouthful. But I want you to concentrate on this one thing. I want you to see the blessing that these lepers received and that they were cleansed. Do you recognize that? They were blessed. And that they were cleansed. They cried out to God. Have mercy. And they received cleansing. But I don't want you to miss this. Verse number 14. When he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priest. He gave them instructions. 
gave them instructions. And I like what it says after this, and it came to pass. Not just with the instruction, but it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. Now, what would have happened if he said go and they didn't go? It would not have come to pass. So here it is. He gives them the instructions. And they move at his instructions. And when they move, they get the blessing. I want you to know this, and don't you ever forget it. The blessing is in the obedience, not in the contemplation. The blessing is in the obedience, not in the contemplation. The blessing is in the obedience, not in receiving the word. Because we can contemplate on the word. We can sit around and we can talk about the word, have long conversations about the word, but have you moved? Because I guarantee you, God's not blessing your immobility. I like that. It came to pass as they followed his instructions that they were cleansed. So having the instruction is one. You know, I'm a member of Church of Living Water. Ooh, the word there is so great. Oh man, we know some word. But you're not moving. See, having the instruction, that, that is necessary. That is needful. But you can't stop at the instructions. You've got to get started. You've got to move. You've got to perform. Perform what? What you've been instructed to do. Look at this in Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14. Another passage of scripture that also many people are familiar with. Matthew 14. Ooh. Uh, yeah, let's start at verse 22. And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. Don't forget this. This is a, the fourth watch of the night. This means the sun has not come up. And, 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 you know, and, and the waters are choppy now. And, and all of a sudden, here comes Jesus in the dark. So in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled because they couldn't recognize who it was. It's a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. Just give me a word. And he said, Come. I love how the Lord does it. Come. 
And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Hallelujah. We got many critics of Peter. But he walked. We got many critics of people who are doing the will of God in the midst of the ministry. But they walk. Oh, you, you missed that. Didn't you? All Peter said is, now, if it is you, all I need is an instruction from you. And when I move on that instruction, I'm going to see great things. Now, we understood Peter eventually started to sink because he got his eye off of the instruction and who gave him the instructions. But all I know is he recognized this. If you give me instruction and I start to do it, watch what happens. Peter walked. Don't you dare criticize Peter. Hallelujah. God gives us simple instructions and we won't do them. We contemplate, talk ourselves out of them. But Peter walked on the water. Look at this in 1 Kings chapter 18. Because here's the question now. Why is it that people do not move? 1 Kings chapter 18. Why is it that people do not move? Why don't they get started? First Kings chapter 18. I'm right here on the one turning all these pages. Look at this at verse 20. First Kings chapter 18. This is when Elijah challenges those false prophets. Verse 20 says, So Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. These are the false prophets. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal... Then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. Why is it that people don't get started? One reason might be because they've been halt between two opinions. It may be because they're paralyzed between what I like and what God's will is. That's halt between two opinions. Mm. Sometimes it is that we're afraid that in His will, I won't get what I want. See, evidently, here it is. This, this amazes me. That this is a nation of people who were delivered by the power of God out of the hands of a nation that was mightier than they. A world power. And then, after going through the wilderness, He delivers them the land of nations that were mightier than they were. They saw the seas parted, opened up for them. They saw Pharaoh drowned in the sea. God gave them prophets, did mighty works and mighty wonders in their midst. And now they get to this place where they're confused. 
Evidently, they believe that Baal has something to do with what they counted as success. And they weren't so willing to say, oh, Baal ain't nothing. And God, you're everything. They were halt between two opinions. They were thinking, now, if we give up on Baal, we may not get the stuff we think Baal allows us to have. And if we turn to God, we have no guarantee we're still going to have this stuff. See, that's halt between two opinions. Why won't people get started? Because in their mind, they haven't settled things yet. Their heart is still given to other things. They're still believing their success is in other things. Listen, you've got to, this is one of the things you need to settle in your mind. God's work may just not deliver you the, the American dream. And you've got to be all right with that. This is grown folk. This is grown folk talk. You've got to be all right with it. Again, this is, this is what I mean. We've got to settle issues because we spend all of our energy, all of our time making plans of how we're going to make it. How we're going to get ahead. And God's plan goes suffering. And then when God says, I have something for you to do, but you may not get what you've been spending all your time and energy trying to get. If God be God, then serve Him. If not, why you, why you even go to church? Why you even carry the name Christian? If God be God, serve Him. But when He is not, He doesn't have all our heart. The instructions come, and we see, well, wait a minute, but, but I, I, I still want your halt between two opinions. Look at this in Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. And you don't even recognize. This is why you first have to settle the issues. I don't know how I'm going to make it if, if they don't cooperate with me. You know? See, that's bail. Can you go on without them? Yes, you can. Because God is God. Luke chapter 9. Verse 57. And it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes. And birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. This person had to come to a decision now. You know, Jesus knows what to tell us. knows what to, how to reach us. He knows our issues. He knows the things that are hanging up in our heart. He's like, you want comfort, but I want you to understand, where I walk, you may not be so comfortable. What's he telling this person? You've got to settle the issues. If you want comfort, don't come to me looking to be comforted. Don't come to me looking to be comfortable. I'm on purpose. So this is why I tell you, you may not obtain the American dream fulfilling God's will. You've got to make a decision. Would you rather fulfill His will or get the American dream?
you haven't settled the issues if you're waiting for change to happen around you if you're waiting for the conditions to be favorable look at this in verse 59 and he said unto another follow me but he said Lord suffer me first to go and bury my father there it is the instructions are right there in Luke chapter 9 verse 59 and he said unto another follow me but he said Lord suffer me first to go and bury my father Jesus said unto him let the dead bury their dead but go thou and preach the kingdom of God now you got to understand this it seems like it's a little bit on the hard side but remember we're talking about you've not settled the issues if you're waiting for change around you waiting for things to be conducive now when he says let me first go bury my father here's the issue his father was still alive <laughs> okay so, so in other words he, he, was, he was waiting to okay I, 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 let me get this out the way first and then I can move forward and I want you to make sure you understand this it's not that Jesus didn't care for this guy's father there's some things that must be done. And understand, when you get on course, it's the thing that must be done. You understand that? And again, that's why I say this is a grown folk talk here. This is a conversation that mature Christians, mature believers have. Is that, hey, God has a plan. And I want to remind you, how is it that you enter into the kingdom? God worked the plan. And so now he has his eyes on others. And you being in position, doing what God has given you to do, helps the kingdom grow. So again, he gave him the instruction. And here's the thing about it. Don't you know that when God gives the instruction, he knows the situation that you're in? He knows the conditions that you're dealing with? You know, this man is talking about, first is. Uh, seeing his father pass <laughs> and then going forward we have these other issues that go on especially a lot of times it's just so relationship heavy that we have these issues we just wait for somebody to get right when God is like how long are you going to wait for them to get right I've got something I need for you to do and you don't know the time and again they might get it right eventually but you don't know how long it's going to take you don't know who's depending upon you in that time that you're sitting up there in mourning. So you've got to settle the issues. Because if, if, if you don't, you will be halt between two opinions. You've not settled things if wrong influences still have your ear. Verse 61. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee. But let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Again, Jesus is ministering to them personal issues. And he's ministering to us about our personal issues. Why is he telling this individual this? Because he knows you go back with your boys, your boys are going to talk you out of this. You go back with your family members, they're not so sure about this. And you're not convinced yet. And you're still giving people with the wrong influence 
an ear. So here it is. Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Here's the first thing we need to settle. Verse 6 says, But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. First thing to settle is that he is. And that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. It's the first thing to settle. See, because when you're halt between two opinions, yeah, you may acknowledge God, but you don't believe that He is. Look at this in verse 7. And these things we've been learning. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Noah hadn't seen it, but he believed God is. So if you tell it to me, even though I haven't seen it, I'm going to move with fear. Noah has settled it. God, you don't just exist. You are. You are true. You are faithful. Look at this in 2 Timothy chapter 1. Second Timothy chapter 1. See, the evidence of your faith that He is is your obedience. Let me say that again. The evidence of your faith that He is is your obedience. If He says go and you do not go, you don't believe that He is. If He says perform and you do not perform, you don't believe that He is. If he says, follow me, even though everything is not conducive and you don't follow him, you don't believe that he is. Second Timothy chapter 1. Verse number... Well, first, well, it's hard to start here. Verse number 11, we'll just start there. Whereunto I am appointed a preacher... And an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles, for the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Paul says, I'm navigating some very unfavorable things. Conditions aren't so favorable for me, but you see me pushing forward. Why? Because I am fully persuaded. I'm convinced he's able. And so as long as you're not convinced that He is, you still hold on to things that you need to let go. You still think that you can't make it without those things. When God, it really is all you need. We're asking the question, why is it that some people do not move? Well, because when God says it, and you're not convinced He is, why would I move? 
Turn back to 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings chapter 18. And you can swear up and down, no, I believe he is, but you haven't moved. So remember in 1 Kings chapter 18, there, there it is that Elijah asked that question, how long will you be halt between two opinions? Is it Baal or is it God? Choose one or the other. They're like, hey, we, we, we can't say anything. We, we don't know what to choose right now. That's not believing that he is. And so many of you are familiar with what happens here in, on Mount Carmel. If not, Elijah says, all, all right, you false prophets. We're going to take two bullets. You get one, I get one. You set up your altar. You call out to your God to Baal, and let's see if he answers in fire. They had a practice of even cut, cutting themselves, trying to get Baal to answer. And Elijah, boy, he talks them. He talks them smack. So if you keep calling, keep calling, maybe he's busy. <laughs> maybe he's on a trip somewhere. I mean, he talks. And then after he gets through talking, I mean, this, this is... Trust me. Yeah. You know, on, on the sports field, some people get out there and start talking and they start irritating you. Boy, this is the talk to end all talk. And after he gets through talking, he says, you know what we're going to do? I'm going to set up an altar. The altar had already been broken down. I'm going to set up the altar. Oh, my goodness, there's so much in that. See, because we've broken down the altar that God was supposed to occupy in our heart. And we let these other things enter in and we wonder why it's not going on for us. So he sets up the altar and then he, he takes the bullet, cuts it up in pieces. Then he builds a trench and then he fills the trench with water that's poured over the sacrifice. So much so that it fills up the trenches. Calls upon God. God answers with fire. Licks it up. There's no question right now. Who's God? But look at this in verse 36. And it came to pass at the time of offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel and that I am thy servant and that I have done all these things at thy word. I wouldn't change it if I said, I've done all these things at your instruction. Why? Because the blessing is in the obedience, not in the contemplation. You've got to believe that He is. This is one of the reasons why we take aim. It's one of the reasons why we set our affection on things above and not beneath. So we can get a good look at the Lord. And when we do, trust me, you'll see that He is. Many of you don't see that He is because you're so in and out. So up and down. Haven't been consistent. And just hearing the word. And again, I want to make sure you understand that it has its role, it has its part, but you can't stop at the hearing. There's got to be a doing, but you've got to hear it to begin with. Amen. Glory to your name. Wow. You've got to believe that God is. You know, when you join this ministry, if I get a chance to talk to you, I'd like to explain to you that, you know, if you're here, we trust that God called you here. And he knew some people that crazy. But you've got to believe that he is more than they act crazy. 
And that'll keep you settled. That'll keep you from moving. It, it, it amazes me, and I thank God for this ministry. I really do. I, I thank God for the people of this ministry. I thank God for those who are leaders in this ministry. And I thank God for their character. But there are some places where sometimes people who are in leadership don't act in good character. But you've got to believe that God is. <laughs> don't you dare turn your back on God because somebody in the flesh like you acts crazy. Doesn't do right. He's still able to do a great work regardless of what goes on with other people. Look at 2 Kings chapter 5. You have to have something to do. Then you got to get started. you got to move. Why wouldn't I move? Well, you wouldn't move if you don't believe that he is. Another reason some people don't move when God gives instructions, because sometimes it's just too simple. Second Kings chapter 5. We're going to start at verse number 9. And again, another familiar passage of Scripture. But I want you to see this. Now this is the captain of the army of Syria. Now he is in leprosy. And he comes and the prophet says, alright, I'll help you out. So in verse number 9. It says, so Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. But Naaman was wroth and went away and said, Behold, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God. And strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. Are not Abana and Farpar rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. Naaman got caught up looking for the fantastic, the fantastical, the extraordinary. He wanted something to go home and tell everybody about, do you know what God did? Oh my goodness, I've never seen it. it. It was like out of this world. When you wait for stuff like that, you miss godly instruction. God's been talking all this time and it just got right past you. See, that's, that's that still small voice. And the simple things. See, here's what happens when we hear something that seems to be too simple. In our mind, it becomes... What difference is that going to make? What difference is that little thing going to make? Give me something else. See, we go back again. Do you believe the God is? <laughs> Amen. Glory to your name, God. You know, Abraham and Sarah had that issue. So Abraham and Sarah said, you know what? It can't be that simple. It, it can't be like a husband and a wife actually having relations together. We've got to do something extraordinary. So here's my handmaid. <laughs> and we'll do this ritual and, and that child will be counted as yours. You know, you got to believe that he is. It's just too simple. No, no, there's a way. He, he, he. See, that's why they laughed when God said, it's going to be by Sarah. Sarah's like, I didn't laugh. Yeah, you laugh. 
But I want you to know this and consider this. Is there anything too hard for God? You can take the simple and do great things. You can do marvelous things. All because you obeyed. Because remember, the blessing is in the obedience, not in the contemplation. So be obedient to the simple instructions. Huh. You know, we won't go here, but when Saul was met on the road to Damascus, and then he says, now, who are you, Lord? He says, this is Jesus. I'm the one you've been persecuting. And then Saul asked this question, what would you have me to do? He says, go into the city. I got something for you. Too simple. <laughs> God, you, you, you blinded me? And now I'm supposed, just supposed to go someplace? Is that it? Stay with the simple. Because God always has something at work. See, once he did the simple, again, this is God at work. Then he says, you know, I got somebody. Oh, we've got to turn there. Acts chapter 9. I said we weren't going to turn there, but Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. Verse number 4. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city. And it shall be told thee, what thou must do. Again, to me, this, this gets me. You knocked, you knocked me to the ground. You blinded me. And now I'm asking you what to do. You're telling me, go wait. He could have been that, like Naaman. Please. This ain't God. <laughs> this ain't the Lord. The Lord's going to do something spectacular. Not just tell me to go and wait. But he was obedient. Oh, wow. He was obedient. And, and then, he was obedient, and now, his course was dependent on somebody else obeying God. Jump down to verse number 10. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him and said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise. And go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth, and hath seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. See, that's how God works. See, I got your part, he got his part, and they need to meet up together. Verse 13, then Ananias answered. See, because now... He's got the instruction. And instead of obeying, he answered. And Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done in thy, to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priests to bind all that call on thy name. You see what's going on? He's got the instructions, but now he's contemplating. And remember, he answered, Behold, Lord, here I am. At the, at the Lord just saying Ananias. He had that kind of relationship with God. And so here it is. He's been told, hey, I need you to go find this individual. 
He's been praying. He's seen in the vision. You coming. And so you would think that'd be enough. But he wants to contemplate. <laughs> Verse 15. And I'm sorry, and I have to stop here. You know why he's contemplating, right? Because I might get hurt. <laughs> you know, that, that's, not too, that's not too conducive. That's not too comfortable for me. But remember, if you're going to follow the Lord, you've got to navigate some uncomfortable situations and do the thing that must be done. Verse 15, But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Do you hear the Lord? The Lord said, I gave you instructions. Go. Move. Perform it. And he went and did it. And now look at all the books of the Bible and the revelation we have. And now we're following after this man, Paul, with his revelation of how to finish the course. Even in the simple things, obey the simple things. What difference is it going to make if I save more and get out of debt? Do the simple things. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. And you know, I, I like it that when we enter into salvation, that we're instructed to get water baptized. And my thought is always this. If you can't obey the simple instruction of being water baptized, how are you going to walk with the Lord? Simple instruction. I don't like getting wet. The blessing is in obedience. Not in the contemplation. Because you can talk yourself out of some things. What difference is that going to make? Too simple. Turn back to 2 Kings chapter 5. So sometimes... We're halt between two opinions. Sometimes the instructions are just too simple. And sometimes we don't do it because the instructions came from somebody who didn't have a name. Didn't have Reverend in front. <laughs> Wasn't Reverend Dr. So-and-so. Wasn't Minister So-and-so. Back to... 2 Kings chapter 5. Again, starting up at verse 12. Are not Abana and Farpar, rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. Verse 13. And his servants came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee do something that wasn't so simple, if he bid thee do some great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? How much rather then when he says to thee, wash and be clean. Look at verse 14. Then when he down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh came again, like unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Something about these lepers. They show us, once you obey, <laughs> then there's the blessing. But what I love about this is that this man, looking for the fantastical, God is being so good, and said, I'm not going to leave you to your own self. I'm going to have somebody there to speak to you on my behalf for your benefit. And the people who are going to speak to you, they're not higher ranked than you. They don't have the name you have. 
They don't make the money you make. They're not as highly regarded as you are. But my instructions still come through. Now some of us would be saying, they ain't been in this ministry but two seconds. How are they going to tell me something? And you just disregard it. Miss it all together. That's just how God does Here's the blessing about it. Is that here it is. He made it simple to begin with. You're fighting against the simple, and then he brings somebody else. And here's what I love about this as well. I'm telling you, this is the thought of the earth at work right here as well. Why? Because these servants had behaved themselves so much in a godly manner before their master that he had no issue receiving a word from them. I don't believe these servants were praying to God. God, this is a heathen I'm working for. Get me out this place. I'm sorry, I got a little Wednesday night mixed up in there. Let's get back. <laughs> but it's good. Hallelujah. Learn to recognize truth no matter where it comes from. And here's what's going to happen. Godly authority is going to confirm it. Learn to recognize truth no matter where it comes from. Oh, yes. We're in Second Kings. Look at this in Numbers chapter 22. <laughs> Numbers chapter 22. I'm laughing. I'm sorry, I'm laughing. I'm thinking about this as well. You know, we're talking about Paul and his letter to Timothy. Well, Paul had a letter to Titus. And he tells Titus, Titus and Timothy were, were sons of Paul and the Lord. He tells Titus, he says, you know, I left you in Crete for a reason. Because you need to set some things in order in Crete. Because there are people in Crete who profess themselves to be teaching the word of God, but they don't know what they're talking about. They're teaching wrong things. And certain of their prophets, one of those unruly prophets, says the Cretans are liars, slow bellies. He says, now this old unruly prophet speaks truth. <laughs> so move based off of the truth that they spoke and admonish those people. He's saying, you know what? Truth is truth. I don't care where it comes from. You've got to learn to recognize truth. And then here in Numbers chapter 22, <laughs> verse 28. We're not going to read all this. We're just going to read verse 28. This is about Balaam. And the Lord opened the mouth of the ass. And she said unto Balaam, What have I done unto thee that thou hast smitten me these three times? Now, 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 this ass was not cooperating with Balaam. And for good reason. Because this ass recognized things that Balaam couldn't see. <laughs> now here's the thing that gets me. God opened the mouth. And let me read this again. Verse 28. And the Lord opened the mouth. And the Lord opened the mouth. Can I say it again? The Lord opened the mouth. Now, if God opened the mouth of an ass, certainly he's not leaving you without instruction. Certainly he's not leaving you without instruction. <laughs> and here it is. The instruction is all right. You know, sometimes people wait. Here, here, here's one of the things that we have. We have no issue receiving certain things from people, except when they start telling us about the will of God. 
Amen. Amen. You know, man, how do I say this? I'm trying to think of how to say this. There's really no other way to say it. You know, some people like to be mentored. You're my mentor. All right. So, so show me this and show me that. Show me, show me how to do my bills and, and show me how to write checks and all this stuff. But then when you're not living right and they start to give you truth, then suddenly you, you, uh, you ain't the pastor. You ain't no minister. Yeah, but you're receiving everything else from me. But when God uses me, for some reason you just can't receive it that way. Learn to recognize truth. God has not left you without instruction. There's nobody who's going to be here and, and able to say, why didn't God tell me? God was telling you all along. You just refused to receive it from whom God gave it through. Godly counsel is godly counsel no matter what the title. And in all honesty, what we need to do is add a righteous life so that our counsel can be credible. But learn to recognize truth no matter where it comes from. And thank God for it. Naaman listened to his servants. And his servants talked him into obeying. And when he obeyed, he was cleansed. Look at this in Exodus chapter 4. Exodus chapter 4. So maybe you're halt between two opinions. Settle the issues. Believe that he is and he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Trust that he's faithful. He's able to keep you. Maybe you do it because the instructions are too simple. <laughs> Why don't you do the simple things? Maybe you don't get started because the instructions came, but they just didn't come from a title. Learn to recognize truth no matter where it comes from. And then maybe you don't get started because you look at the vessel and not the giver of grace. You're the vessel. Amen. You're the vessel. Exodus chapter 4. Here's here's the message. Stop looking at your capabilities or the lack thereof. Stop looking at those. Because if God called you to it, certainly He knows what He's doing. Certainly He knows who He's calling. Exodus chapter 4. Verse number 10. And Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I'm not eloquent, neither heretofore, nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I'm slow of speech, and of a slow tongue. And the Lord said unto him, Now, who hath made man's mouth? Who maketh the dumb, or deaf, or the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with thy mouth and teach thee what thou shalt say. I love this. Again, he, he just... Moses gives the instruction. And he's not so quick to obey. Because he's looking at 
his capabilities or the lack thereof. And God is like, who's calling you? Who's giving you the instruction? <laughs> go. I like that. Just straightforward. Go. Go do what? What I told you to do? God is like, you think I'm worried about your capabilities. You think I'm worried about your skill set. You think I'm worried about your education level. You think I'm worried about your family tree. You think I'm worried about your family situation. Stop looking at your capabilities or the lack thereof. And start looking at who's calling you to the work. He is the giver of grace. Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7. I'm too young. Stop looking at that. I'm not as smooth as so-and-so. Stop looking at that. I'm not as well-spoken as so-and-so. Stop looking at that. Well, 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 when people see me, they're going to see. Stop looking at that. Put your eyes on the one who called you. Well, I'm a female. Stop looking at that. <laughs> Mark chapter 7. Oh. Yeah, it's hard to... You know, let's start at verse 31. And, and again, Mark seven thirty-one. And again, departing from the coast of Tyre and Sidon, he came into the Sea of Galilee, through the midst of the coast of Decapolis. And they bring unto him one that was deaf, and had an impediment in his speech. And they beseech him to put his hand upon him. And he took him aside from the multitude, put his fingers into his ears, and he spit and touched his tongue, and looking up to heaven, he sighed and said unto him, Ephatha, that is, be open. And straightway his ears were opened, and the string of his tongue was loosed, and he spake plain. And he charged them that they should tell no man. But the more he charged them, so much the more, a great deal, they published it. <laughs> You know, sometimes it's all right not to obey. <laughs> like, we're going to be quiet about this? Please. Verse 37, and were beyond measure astonished, saying, He hath done all things well. He maketh both the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak. If he can make the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak, what is it that he cannot do through you? See, now we're getting back to He is. He is God. You see, and what happens is, when you step out in spite of your incapabilities, what people will see is not you. They'll see the grace of God on you. So I tell you this, stop waiting for someone else to do what God has given you to do. Move. Get it going. Get started. Because remember, the blessing is in the obedience, not in the contemplation. Let me say these couple of last things and we'll end it here. 
when you get started, make sure you remember your movements must be led by the Holy Spirit. They must be led by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is not going to lead you against spiritual authority. It's not going to lead you against spiritual authority. We've got people who like to get started, but they like to get started against the order that has been established. And that's not God. That's not being led of the Spirit. And when you move, understand it does not mean to forego or bypass delegated authority or established biblical standards. See, we want this all in balance. Because some people you say, get started, I'm going to get started. That's just the devil trying to hold me back. Yeah, but you're trying to go against standards. <laughs> you're not striving lawfully. You're trying to do it in your time. You're trying to be seen now as if it's your time to shine. Remember, it's not your ministry. This is God's. We're going to end it right there. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.